0: welcome to the upland nation podcast i'm scott linden your host on an adventure down the trail and up the road and uh, out into the field all sorts of great stuff in store for you this week how do they get gundog magazine out the door we'll take a peek behind the curtain with callie parmley the editor-in-chief she'll share some thoughts on that of course and how it works and also we'll talk hunting and gun dogs of course we will that's what it's all about here if it's not gun dogs and hunting then it's birds and habitat and maybe some shooting as well this week we'll also share your thoughts on how often and why you should feed your dog also some adequate questions for your uh, public access hunts you're traveling how to get along got some great reactions last week gonna talk a little bit more about some of those things so keep it tuned right here to the upland nation podcast hey do me a favor do your fellow hunters a favor at the same time Let's spread the word about the Upland Nation podcast. Here's what I'm going to do. I've, I've been loath to do this. I know a lot of folks have done it for a long time and just want to show my appreciation. Do me a favor and, and write a review or a rating at Apple Podcasts for the Upland Nation podcast. If you do that, we'll be monitoring that stuff and one of you will pick at random and give away a Yeti Rambler, You know, those really nice, heavy... I'm looking at mine right now. It's a gigantic version of it, but it's... uh, I mean, it keeps my coffee warm for three hours. You want a Yeti Rambler? Leave a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much. And thank you all for wishing Flick his four-year-old Whelp Day recently... (laughs) I cannot believe that, how time flies. Uh, I'll never forget his first hunt. We were on um, BLM land in New Mexico. He was about five months old. and Man, he was a big runner then. He's tightened his range a little bit since, luckily. (laughs) And we got it on camera. Yeah, you saw it on Wing Shooting USA. His first point was on a steer. Well, we're still working on some of that. uh, Back to tethered birds and um, working on that wing shot and fall thing. It was wonderful last time. Hopefully, we're on the right track there. Uh, Maybe you're doing the same thing. I know you're doing a lot of things with your dog. I see it every day on Facebook. One of the questions I asked recently got some really interesting responses. And as you know, I'm big on this stuff. Um, When and why to feed your dog we won't get into the brand debate or the grain free versus uh some sort of grain debate i asked do you do you feed once a day or twice a day and and do you change that during the season roger hess started off the discussion with some some quite interesting and thought provoking observations He says dry food takes a minimum of 12 hours to break down, leave the stomach and enter the colon. And, you know, we've seen research on that as well. Um, Multiple small amounts, better than one big meal. His takeaway, and I I buy this completely, dog's energy today came from the food you fed yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Uh, Pat Corey says, I don't feed no ugly dog. Well, I guess they feed themselves. That means they're not only ugly but smart, right, Pat? Uh, Ryan Schmidt says, once a day, all year, plenty of science behind it. Anything more is to make the person feel good. <coughs> Jane, Jake McCracken says, once daily, all year round, no food right before a hunt. The breed I own is prone to stomach twisting, so eating before a hunt is a bad idea. Well, that was the loaded part of that question I asked. I'm big on that for a lot of reasons. Someday, maybe I'll even write about it. Let's see. Uh, uh, Tyler Dunham says, once a day, year-round, just up the feed a little on hunting trips, early evening, feed about an hour after exercise is finished for the day. Lots of folks suggesting that uh, most of the veterinarians will be on that as well, uh, at least an hour, maybe even longer. Uh, my good friend George Cummins says twice a day throughout the year, but in hunting season, uh, spent, depends a little bit on what the legal start time. For example, the first week in, in South Dakota used to be noon. If your dog can go that long without food, he's not going to have much left in the tank when he does start hunting. <laughs> if we start at daylight, George says, he'll give a fresh brown egg two hours before the hunt. And I've talked a little bit about that in the past Um Uh, An egg white is mainly protein, and an egg yolk is mainly fat, so depending on what you're looking for there, it all works, and it all works pretty darn well. Okay, well, thank you for all of that. Callie Parmley is waiting patiently on the line. We'll get to her in just a moment, talk about Gundog Magazine. Have you seen it lately? Man, you, you need to get a good look at it, but anyway... We'll talk more about the motivation behind the new page uh, design and everything else going on there right after a couple quick messages sage and breaker gun care products crafted at the highest caliber go to sageandbreaker.com slash blogs product videos you'll learn something i can almost guarantee it sageandbreaker.com slash blogs slash product videos There's something for everybody there. And if you own a rifle or a handgun, there's also great stuff there as well. Learn something, pick up the great products. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. And if you're looking for a place to go, they got plenty of room for you, and they'd love to have you in Huron, South Dakota. We call it the Ringneck Nation because they have more pheasants than people. You've seen them on my show a number of times, but the thing is, I go there even when I'm not making a TV show. Learn more about them at HuntHuronSD.com. Get yourself a free information packet. Learn about all the public access ground out there, over 140,000 acres. You can just walk right on. You'll find out more about the Ringneck Festival and the Bird Dog Challenge if you're up for those sort of things as well. It's a good time. Whether you're competitive or not, learn about it all at HuntHuronSD.com. So looking forward to having her with us. It's been a while since she took over as the editor-in-chief at Gundog Magazine and i've been intrigued with what she's done since then having been in the world of publishing myself so uh, without further ado let's bring on callie parmley callie welcome to the upland nation podcast
1: hi scott how are you i am thanks for having me
0: finer than frog hair as they say the fires are uh, the smoke is blowing in the other direction so we're happy out here in wildfire country how about yourself
1: i'm good thank you i appreciate it i live in utah now so i understand wildfire country that's
0: for sure yeah you'll get your share of it believe me if you haven't already but you've been there a while you moved from where to utah
1: so i lived in peoria illinois that's where our magazines were based out of
0: yeah well you made a good move and uh yeah (laughs) we've talked about hunting in that country and we'll talk a little bit more about that maybe later in the in the podcast but for now why don't you give us a quick uh kind of backstory on callie parmley
1: sure so um I started my career in the hunting industry right out of college. I got lucky and got a job at a nonprofit called the US Sportsman's Alliance, which they go by just the Sportsman's Alliance now. And I started out there in their youth program and uh, teaching kids how to get into the outdoors. And But really, my background was in journalism and, and um, marketing and things of that sort. And so I got moved over to their communications side of things, and that's where I really got my start. And really got my leg in the door because I knew I wanted to be an editor of a magazine at some point. I didn't know when I went to college that would be of a hunting magazine, but that's how it kind of happened. And so uh, worked for a few years in the Sportsman's Alliance, and then uh, I applied for a job as the associate editor of Peterson's Hunting Magazine. And I was able to land that job, and that's what took me to Peoria, and that has really been the stepping stone to me in the magazine world.
0: Oh, I bet. I bet. Uh, you know, great, great experiences, both of those. Worked with the USSA a lot back in the day. Mm-hmm. I won't bore you with that. And then Peterson's, of course, legendary. You yep. ever get out to LA yep. and see the car museum while you were there?
1: No. The oh. LA was, that office was long <laughs> gone before I got on board there. Yeah. But um, yeah, I worked for Peterson's for a good four years as the associate editor and then the managing editor. And then, um, you know, worked in the big game world for all that time, and then the opening Rick was retiring from Gun Dog, and so uh, in the meantime, through all those years, I had become an upland hunter, and so they said, "Hey, would you be interested in taking over Gun Dog since you're the upland hunter in our company?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> so
0: love it. What worked d- out. Uh, d- all right. So so here's here's somebody who uh, you know came to it a little later in life, like many of us. Uh, what what pushed you over the edge uh, from the big game world into the bird dog and, and bird hunting world?
1: Well, you know that's funny. You're right. I did I did not get into hunting until um, in my in my 20s, and that was not because I hunting was weird. I grew up in a very rural community. I grew up in the country. I grew up horseback riding and camping. And uh, my grandpa actually raised English setters. He was a big field trial guy. And uh, but I just I just didn't do hunting just because I was into sports and everything. But when I got the job at the Sportsman's Alliance, I remember them asking me, like, you're okay with hunting, right? And I just said, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not you – know, I, I came from a school where kids had their guns mounted in their trucks in the back windows, you know. So I was like, yeah, that, that doesn't bother me at all. And um, so anyways, I grew up uh, – I had a, a mentor at U.S. Sportsman's Alliance who got me – he took me turkey hunting and got me hooked. And then I had gotten a, a lab, not as a hunting dog, just as, you know, just a house dog. And I had a couple mentors who said, you know, bring him out to the field with us one day. We're going to do some bird dog training. And I was just like, no, he's never, he's obedience trained. He's never even seen a bird, you know. And they're like, nope, 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 bring him. And my lab actually that day, it just clicked with him. And he flushed like three birds, retrieved three birds. And I just remember thinking, like, it would be, it would be awful of me not to bring out this natural instinct in him and train him. And so, I read a bunch of books, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, I had some mentors and and I trained him to be an upland dog with me and I always like to credit Lincoln my lab for really making me an upland hunter because he's really what got me passionate about the sport and I mean you know you're a bird guy you understand so Yeah
0: you know your 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 story is almost my story that's uh, mm-hmm. although it started with a pointing breed instead but that's exactly what I said he hit a point a pheasant flew out from under him and I said If he's going to do that, I guess I better learn how to shoot.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. So that's what I like to say is Lincoln, he really made me want to pursue upland hunting because, you know, that connection between you and your dog is something special. And so um, I was lucky and I had some people show me the ways and show me how to upland hunt and where to upland hunt and really got me hooked. And uh, just my trips with Lincoln and I really got into the, the DIY aspect. I got into the backcountry aspect of it. Um, So that coupled with my big game experience, because I really like backpack hunting and going off the grid, and so it really just all worked out in itself, and um, over the years, I really, really, that's what I enjoy doing all fall, so...
0: You know, you, you mentioned uh, uh, mentors uh, of one degree or another, uh, folks who have helped you. And I think I knew that first one when I was working with USSA, but uh, there are many good ones over there. But mm-hmm. w- what is the challenge with a, a, a new hunter at any age level, at any level, in any aspect of of the hunting world what is the challenge with finding mentors and you know what i mean because we both get those kind of comments on facebook yeah they all ought to learn it for themselves just like i did god damn it you know um, i did
1: yeah what you know i get it and go ahead uh, i hate to interrupt you but it's this you know i see it i think you and i were fortunate we're in the hunting industry and we have people who can tell us exactly what we need and maybe even let us borrow gear. And so I can understand why the average Joe who's not in the hunting industry and maybe only has a friend's dad who hunts, you know, we've all spent money on this expensive gear and it can be a little daunting. What do you need? What, you know, I don't, what shotgun do I need? What ammo do I need? Do I need a vest? Do I need a dog? Do I need this? So I can understand why it's hard to get into hunting because you really need that person who is willing to share things with you, share their knowledge, um, share their gear, maybe even share their hunting spots. And, you know, that's a whole different topic conversation. And so, um, I can understand why it's hard for people to get into hunting, but I've also found that people who are passionate about hunting actually enjoy sharing their knowledge with people. I've never had a problem, um, having people who helped me learn to hunt back in the day. And even today, I feel like I enjoy taking people hunting when I have friends say to me, I'd like to do that. I'm like, okay, let's do it. If you want to do it, we'll do it. (laughs) You know, it's almost, it's almost more enjoyable to me. Actually, it's more enjoyable for me to see someone else shoot a bird than for me to shoot a bird you know it's like we've done it we've we've been there done that now let's spread our knowledge to everybody else
0: you know it's absolutely true um we we do arrive at that point uh or most of us do or many of us do i shouldn't say it that way and i'll never forget the first conversation i had with a person who was the president of a big gun company at the time and uh, and i asked the same question what do you love most about bird hunting and he said teaching other people how to do it
1: yeah, honestly. Yeah. I, I got invited this year to do a women's hunt with completely women who have never hunted before. Or, um, a bird hunt completely, you know, that barely even fired a shotgun more than a couple rounds of clays. And and um, I was asking about, okay, like, am I going to be guiding them? Am I using my dogs? And, and I said, how many hunters? And they said five. And I said, well, does that five include me? And they said yes. And I said, well, then take it down to four because I don't care about shooting. You know, yeah. this is about them. This is about them learning and I I don't need to kill a bird so it's more it's more it's more fun for me to watch my dogs work and other people see you know how the dogs work and how bird hunting works and them light up about it so
0: well you know it's funny we do we share a lot of other things besides and I'm not going to go into detail on that but you at one point were uh, spending some time in a classroom and so was I not as a student but as a teacher and Mm -hmm. and I think that comes out I think it's part of our DNA but there are other people out there who don't have that and that's fine this is america you can be a butthead if you want to be but how do we as experienced slightly knowledgeable motivated hunters how do we find or help somebody most who's who's just starting out what's the what's the key to finding that person and then what's the thing we should do most with that person
1: i think you should actually take them hunting i don't think telling them uh, this sharing your knowledge, sitting down at a table and sharing your knowledge is, is going to help because I think nine times out of ten, you may share that knowledge with them, but they're not actually going to go and do it because being out there with them and, and showing them the ropes and actually getting them success is really what's going to hook them. Because imagine sending them out there and they walk, you know, seven miles and they don't even see a bird. You know, that's not going to bring people back to the sport, that's not going to make them want to keep doing it need to get them out there, have them some success and then teach them. Here's where to look for birds. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's how to find public land spots. Here's how to talk to landowners, you know, and getting them out there and actually showing them the ropes and, And getting them on birds is what's really going to keep them into this sport
0: you know i can't i can't agree more although i will differ on one point right after this callie parmley is the editor-in-chief at gundog magazine you're listening to the upland nation podcast i'm scott linden chief cook and bottle washer on this end callie uh i did a i did a video on this for the shooting sports foundation and and the only thing i would add to your suggestion is manage expectations in a way so that every hunting trip with a newbie is a success in one regard or another it could be the fact that hey we didn't get shot no hey we didn't get rained on hey we had a great field hunt. whatever it is what are some of those other things that we might do that that can uh, manage uh, a new hunter's expectations
1: absolutely that's a really good point because it's you know every time i go hunting i don't get into birds necessarily so No, you're going to
0: my spots or what?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, I would say make it as enjoyable as possible. You know, uh, do an elaborate tailgate lunch uh, or take them. You know, I personally love going to those little towns in the middle of nowhere, hunting in the morning and then going getting, you know, a hot, greasy breakfast at 10 in the morning in some, you know, no-name town. I always think that's fun. And, you know, just make it a whole experience, make it cool and something to remember and try to, again, like you said, manage expectations. Try to, if it looks like it's going to rain and thunderstorm that day and be cold, maybe decide on another day. Yeah, <laughs> You know, something where it's not going to be completely miserable for them, but more memorable and fun, where they're, they look back and they're like, Hey, that was really fun. Thanks for taking me
0: on that. Okay, I got another question, but first got to write that down. My next bluegrass band is going to be named Hot Greasy Breakfast. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and we have that spot, actually, and a lot of you out there listening to me have been to that spot with me for either the milkshake or the cheeseburger, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, at least in your mind you have. Um you know, I, I do want to touch on the magazine because, you know, I've written for the magazine. I went back and I think I've written for Gundog Magazine for six or seven years now uh, and in, sure enjoyed working with your predecessor and enjoy working with you, um, yeah. especially that last beer assignment, by the way. I'm still recovering.
1: Um, yeah, check out Gundog Mag for that one. Yes. Gundogmag.com.
0: For- <laughs> Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, let's remember <laughs> that. In fact, if you want to know anything about the magazine, that's the right way to start it, Gundogmag.com. Um, but if you are a reader, you've noticed uh, in the last uh, few months uh, it's looking different, and I'm going to say it's looking spec freaking tacular um <laughs> you. but you do, do you tell us what you did there and then tell me why
1: so we just recognized that gundog um this needed a, a redesign is kind of what we we decided on it you know we wanted the um you know the new wave of magazines as you'll know is the big thick beautiful photography that hits you in the face on the newsstands. You open up the pages and you see two-page spread photos coupled with excellent editorial content, and that's just what we decided Gundog, the way Gundog was going, and we knew this was the right magazine to do it because who doesn't love seeing dogs, you know, huge photos of dogs all over the place, all over the magazine, and so when I took over, we started small by just doing a redesign uh, with the, the, old, the old stock and everything in the magazine, and then we knew We'd wait a year, and we'd plan, and we'd come up with, our team would work together to come up with a new design and new concept, and we coupled that with a new website, and so we waited a whole year, and we just launched it this past January, uh, the new wave of the magazine, which, as you're talking about, it's 120 pages, perfect bound. It's that coffee table type magazine that you don't want to throw away, that you give to people. You're like, have you seen the new Gun Dog? You know, it's, it's one of those. And uh, what's cool about it is, is we didn't just stick to print. We decided that it needed to go on the web and social media as well. And so actually just yesterday, this is a great timing for this podcast, we launched the new website. And so the new website features, um, you know, unique editorial content. It features uh, tra- Gun dog training videos specific to the, specific to our brand. Uh, features, um, recipes, and everything you can think of. And there's there's actually – it's kind of cool because we've done this thing where if you subscribe to the magazine, you get premium access to gundogmag.com. And that means you get access to hundreds of dog training videos that you normally wouldn't have access to from – all the trainers who write for us, you know, the people who you really want to hear from. And so it's been, it's been really exciting and cool and we're super, super pumped about it.
0: Well, and I don't blame you and what a great idea. You know, there gotta be some challenges though in that and I can think of several already the first is finding great photos and the second is literally getting that thing out the door Um, I know you just put one to bed and and I've been there and done that for five years I was a publisher so I know that there are unique challenges but let's talk about the ones that we see as readers Um, describe I mean what do you look for when it comes to great photography for example
1: we're looking for, you know, guys who are out there capturing the dogs do what they, and you know, their natural element and, you know, they're using, we're really, um, no more, we don't, you know, no cell phone photos or anything. We're looking for the guys who are really using high-end cameras and just really capturing the beauty of the dogs doing what they do naturally, you know, out in the field, whether that be pointers or retrievers and, you know, in this day and age, we have found so many talented photographers. And you know what's funny? And I know this is so weird to say, but you know where we found a lot of it from? is Instagram.
0: Huh, <laughs> you wow. You know, they,
1: they post a ton of photos now, and they tag Gundog, and you can tell they're professionals, and they care about their art. And, you know, of course, we've got our, our typical, our, our professionals who we've used for years. You know, we've got John Hafner and Brian Grossenbacher and Lee Chose, Mark Atwater, Uh, Jerry Impervento we've got a ton of those guys who we still work with but I love scrolling Instagram and and finding new guys as well and it has really shaped the magazine
0: oh I bet I mean
1: just yeah it's funny it's just even guys who are just uh average Joe they're just regular hunters like you or I and they've just they're just artsy and you know a, a perfect example is um Seth Bynum he's um he's a veterinarian out of Idaho and He's a hardcore hunter and he's just really good behind a camera. and so it's been it's been really fun finding new talent for the magazine during this whole whole new wave of everything.
0: You know and, and, and of course the as I'm a big believer in the words that go along with the pictures uh, because I, I like to think I do that okay. Um, mm-hmm. but what about the ma- let's take the magazine as a whole. Does the magazine tell a story every issue?
1: Yeah, it does. So, what I like about Gun Dog is um, when I first took over, I didn't want to take away from what Gun Dog has always traditionally been, which is how to train your dog. You know, DIY training from the experts. They're giving you their expert tips that they would use themselves in their own kennels. So, I did not want to go away from that. And so, all of our columns, or all of our departments, we like to call them, are still that. They are you know, point, flush, retrieve, uh, training and behavior. They're your guys like Tom Dawkin, um, Jerry Cassio. Uh, We brought on Ronnie Smith and Susanna Love this year. And they're they are telling you what they do in their own kennels. They're telling you how to train your dog. But then our feature stories, I also wanted to bring to the magazine, not just dog training, but also upland hunting in general. I wanted to make sure that we covered all aspects of our sport and and you know, yeah, we're all dog, you know, lovers and we love our dogs and what they have to do with bird hunting but we are also upland hunters and so I wanted to make sure that we brought that world into the magazine and that's really what you'll see um, a lot of our feature stories about they'll be about where to go how to go here's the gear you need Um, you know all the way from public land hunting down in Georgia all the way out to the Oregon coast you know so it's just like that's what I really loved is bringing that aspect of it to as well to couple it with the dog training advice
0: uh, we're just getting warmed up here. That's Callie Parmley, the editor-in-chief of Gundog Magazine. I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, you alluded to something, and and this is a point of contention with a lot of people, and, and you get it and I get it, whether it's in our world or it's in the other world I function in, which is, is fly fishing. People have a real problem with us spilling the beans on places to go. How how do you yeah. cope with that? I mean, you probably get an irate email every once in a while that says, "That's my favorite spot." Now everybody's going to go there.
1: Oh yeah, we definitely get that. We get a uh, we we tagged some small town in Montana where we had gotten a photo from, and they and everyone told us we were hot spotting. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it's 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 such a it's such a touchy topic. I I can understand both sides of the equation. I can understand that these guys are saying, "Don't tell our spot." Um, you know, we've, we've found these spots. Don't tell them. I can, I can understand that. But on my side of things is also, it is no secret that we are in a shortage of hunters in this new and age and new day and age. And if we don't help people become upland hunters then our sport is going to go by the wayside. And I'm not saying you need to drop GPS locations (laughs) to where you, to, you know, exact spots, but I'm also, you know, I'm also okay with helping a hunter or a friend. My buddy here in Utah, he and I will go out. Maybe we don't get a hunt with each other one day and I'll go out and I'll flush a bird. And I say, just flush the bird here. You know, and the next day he'll tell me where he flushed a bird. And, you know, it's, it's just, I think the knowledge then comes when you start teaching people, you also teach them about over hunting and over pressurizing a spot. And, you know, I think we have to encompass Everything that com- has to do with hunting and, and teach these newbies all about this and you know tell them, hey, just because we give you this spot doesn't mean one the birds are going to be there and two that you should go there. but you should all you should look at that terrain, you should see what they're eating, you should you know <laughs> see what's around there, why they why they're in that particular spot and then go for yourself. you know I, I like to tell people, okay, if you don't want to give an a, a exact GPS location which I totally understand, then at least say, Go close to here. Go to that mountain range. Go to the go to this spot and look for this type of feed and cover. Does that make sense?
0: Uh, completely and totally. And that's exactly what what I've uh, evolved to, if you will. Um, it is the right, you know, in my estimation, the right way to <clears throat> keep people hunting. Ensure that they have some initial success, which is critical, and then. Get them to learn more about this whole thing in a way that will ultimately benefit the habitat and the sport. So, uh, For sure. We're sure. simpatico on that, Callie. Um, I'm going to give you a 90 seconds to have a sip of water, maybe clear your throat. I know I need to do that. Uh, you all hang on a second. We're going to talk more with Callie Parmley at Gun Dog Magazine. We're getting into the deeper stuff. So, uh, Callie, your next assignment over the break is summarize and A hundred words or less what you love most about bird hunting. In the meanwhile, everybody else, listen up. The Upland Nation podcast is brought to you by Happy Jack. Learn more about all their products at happyjackinc.com. Just had a great note from Joe Exum second generation owner and Manny X Ex, Manning exum his son now now at the reins there talking about all the important stuff conditioning very important we know how important it is to road our dogs and get them in good shape for the season but what about their feet i'm a big believer you'll be reading and learning more about that in a video very soon but in the meanwhile take a look at happyjackink.com and their product called Pad Coat, K-O-T-E. I know, clever, right? Well, it does what I think is really important. It it makes those pad leathers supple. Not moist, per se, but if the uh, comparison is compare a dry brittle leaf with a green leaf. Crumple one up in each hand. What do you want your dog's pads to do when they roll over that gravel or the rocks or whatever you want them to conform and adapt suppleness is one of the key solutions to that problem pad coat at happyjackinc.com is a way to do it and then welcome to one of our new sponsors roughland performance kennels they've got a slant back version for our uh, for um for suvs You know, maximize the room for your dog and no wasted storage space, then. What I like most about mine is the available second door. You can put it on the side or the back so you can reach in from either direction. You can reconfigure the back of your truck in a way that might make a little bit more sense for you and your dog and your gear and that trip. Learn more about all the colors, all the accessories, and the technology. Same as is used in race cars. It's all at roughlandkennels.com. Callie Parmley, Gundog Magazine Editor-in-Chief, are you still there? I'm
1: here.
0: Good. All right. Thank you for paying attention. appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) You had an assignment over the break, and uh, I could bore you all day with my reasoning, but you tell me what it is about bird hunting that just gets you all squishy inside.
1: You know what's funny is my friends always say, even like when we're out, just not even bird hunting, every time I hear the flush of a bird, I turn like I'm my own bird dog, and they're like, your eyes just come alive. (laughs) I just just laugh about it, and I'm just, you know, I think what I love about bird hunting is just being out there uh, in the untouched wild, and just you and your dogs, and, you know, like this year, over my birthday, I took um, my lab and my young setter out, and, Seven miles I hiked and I flushed two birds and I didn't care. I didn't care at all because it was just being out there. It was being out there and doing it and being with them and and something I enjoy and, you know, I'm going to go hiking anyways and so, you know, why not have a gun in my hand while I'm doing it and so it's just, it's just being out there in the solitude and in the wild with the two creatures that I love the most and, and there's just something special about that
0: yeah amen to that you know it's funny i i joke about it and i stole this from somebody smarter than me but he said you know you the places you guys go you'd look silly just walking around but put a gun (laughs) in your hands and all of a sudden it's okay yep yep, it's
1: just so funny it's something special about it
0: you know you straddle the 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 fence here um you have a you have a labrador and and now you have a pointing breed what what pushed you to that and tell me more about why you went to the setter side.
1: Well, I'll be honest and say that um, part of it was, one, my lab's getting older. He's seven now. He'll be eight this fall. And two, I felt as the editor of Dog, I really needed to have the experience of training a pointing breed. You know, I read it. I, I edit it. I read about it. I, you know, I tell people about it, but I didn't have my own pointing breed. And so that was really important to me as soon as I took over. And then, of course, naturally, my like I said, my grandpa raised and bred setters, and so that was a pretty easy decision for me because I had I already knew the breed. I grew up with them. And so um, it was important to me to kind of pay an homage to my grandpa. And um, took some recommendations from people and found Northwoods Bird Dogs and put my name down for a, a litter about one a year later. So his name's Jones, and he just turned one on June 5th. So All it's right. been fun watching him come alive.
0: I bet. And why the name? <laughs>
1: Well, if you really want to know, it's because Indiana Jones is one of my favorite characters. (laughs) So he was going to go on on a bunch of adventures with me. So naturally, his name was Jones.
0: Oh, I love that! Uh, So tell me, (laughs) in in the first year, what has been your biggest uh, challenge training Jones?
1: Oh well, let's see. So um, you know, you can read as many books and watch as many YouTubes as possible, but um, doesn't make you an expert trainer. And so, uh, biggest challenge is me managing expectations and, and seeing, uh, you know, on YouTube, you see a bunch of people with their eight week old puppy pointing a wing and, you know, when your dog doesn't do it, you think something's wrong with (laughs) them and, you know, and, and, uh, um, understanding that dogs mature at their own level and at their own time. And you can do as much as you can to bring out, you know, that in them and, and they're just going to, they're going to figure it out in their own time and so what I focused on I got him let's see I brought him home around the first of August I think last year and um, I focused on very slow introduction to you know I wasn't I didn't know what age, what age do I introduce birds to him what age do I introduce gunfire so I introduced birds very slowly first I did a wing on a string then I did a a a frozen bird then I did a bird with his wings clipped and you know so on and so on and he loved it and his birdiness came out right away and then I moved on to intern a gunfire and um did that slow and steady and he had no problems with that and then I listened to what Jerry um Coulter told me my my breeder he said hunt him just take him hunting with you so that's what I did (laughs) and you know but as you know trying to find wild birds for a young puppy that holds still don't exactly work very well but um It was really neat for me to see his, his hunt drive come alive. I'll never forget a hunt in January. I took him up to Idaho. I was hunting with some friends and we got into a huge covey of quail and that scent hit his nose and he was no longer just a puppy running with us in the field anymore. He was, his body was compact to the ground. His tail was going like a helicopter and you know, you could tell his nose was just working that scent like crazy. And, um, he he was going I was following him he was going nuts I could tell he was on a bird and you know of course wild birds not going to hold hold steady and it must have ran from one bush to the other and it flushed and of course natural instincts. like I shot it probably shouldn't have but he found me that bird and you know I'll I'll never forget how ecstatic I was that my little puppy had found me that quail you know he may not have pointed it but he sure did find it and so that was such a cool experience and then from from there on I've, I've been fortunate to have um friends here who have helped me let me come out with them to the field to their training fields to show me exactly how they work their dogs on birds and and the things I can work with on Jones and and since that time he's found his point and it just clicked with him one day we went out and he was pointing a little bit before he had definitely pointed but this this one particular day about a month ago we planted a pigeon for him and you would have thought he had been you would have thought he was a two-year-old dog he turned on a dime when he hit that scent cone and Tears came to my eyes because I was just like, he's got it. He's figured it out, you know. I love it. It's been really neat. Uh,
0: By the way, I'm going to be at that quail spot this fall. (laughs) (laughs) I'll meet you up there then. Yeah, really. Um, uh, Looking forward to it with one of, well, the guy who breeds my dogs is uh, showing me that country a little bit. Uh, That's one of the few places I haven't hunted in the Pacific Northwest. So looking forward to it. Um, You know, um, back, just back to the magazine for one thing. And then I want to talk more about the stuff that just made the goose pimples stand up on my arms. When you described that dog in the field, what are the most popular types of articles you guys run? That's a
1: good question. I think, um, Guys are definitely looking for the how-to articles. I feel I feel like they are that's what they crave the most is they're looking for answers to their questions, to their training questions. And then I also feel uh, the other popular ones are destination articles, where to go, um, how to go, and gear. Everyone loves gear. Everyone's a gear junkie anymore. Yeah. and so um, specifically for the magazine and web, we focus on what answers what what are things what are people questioning and for the web we find you know people are googling you know top five best shotguns for youth or um dog breed information things of that sort and then for the magazine that we're finding they want to know training questions and they want to know uh where to go this fall
0: love it just like us yeah exactly (laughs) all right let's uh, let's talk about the hunting thing you i mean every day crossing your electronic desk are a bazillion ideas for stories mm-hmm. or finished articles um, on hunting and going hunting somewhere of all of those have you put together a bucket list
1: oh the more yes yes and no I mean i I have a bucket list hunts of I want to do the birds that a lot of people don't chase. You know, I want to do snowcock uh, this fall. I plan on backpacking in for ptarmigan here in Utah. Um, you know, I want to do the. I like to do. I like to to do the hunts where I can get off with my dogs a little bit, camp for many days at a time. But honestly, I love hunting with friends as well. You know, I've got my friends in Montana saying come up here for the sharp tail opener and. You know, my friends and I, I love, I think Idaho is probably my favorite state to hunt. It's only three hours for me from here, and you can get into numerous species of animal, you know, quail, tucker, um, huns, everything of the sort. And so, if you want bucket lists, it's definitely going to be snowcock, uh, maybe even taking my dog to Alaska. Um, I'd love to experience a traditional Georgia quail hunt, uh, things of that sort. I'd love to hunt grouse in Maine. Man, that would be. That would be amazing, um, but other than that, you know, I just I enjoy I enjoy every every hunt that I partake in, whether I get birds or not.
0: Listen, all of those are on everybody's list, and, and man, are you in for a good time? Except for that snowcock yeah. hunt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's
1: more, you know, honestly, that's more like a big game hunt than oh, it yeah. is a bird hunt. So, yeah. I'll,
0: I'll never forget talking to a guide, one of the few guides who actually r- runs those kind of hunts. He says, mm-hmm. well, we well we ride the, the horses up to 10,000 feet. Then we climb off and we climb another 2,000 feet. And I'm thinking, yep. all right, okay. Really, yeah, yeah,
1: you don't really take your dogs. You know, yeah. that's a big yeah. game. You go and glass for those birds and um, you sneak. You know, it's literally like a big game hunt. So. Yeah. It'd still be fun, though.
0: You know, because you're going out so much, yeah, yeah. everybody thinks all you do is, you know, go to great places to hunt. We know there's a lot of non-glamorous aspects of publishing and editing because we've been there and a lot of people have uh, seen, you know, you know, peek behind the curtain a little bit here and there. What, what is the biggest challenge you face when it comes to um, – publishing the magazine what what is the 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 thing that you know you wake up in the middle of the night worrying about
1: um there'll be times when i feel like you know with any type, even in the big game world i felt uh coming up with new ideas was hard you know and hunting has been i don't want to say the same methods or same techniques for generations because obviously we found new nagged ways to hunt, but it's still the same concept, you know, and so I always I always get worried that um, we're not providing our readers with new and exciting things, and so every year when I, I plan the magazine a whole year in advance, every issue, um, I, people shoot me their ideas, and I'm just like, been there, done that, you know, we've done that, what's what's a new approach to this, what's something different that we can give to people, and so, um that's what I, I worry about the most is the content and making sure it's new and refreshing for, for our people to keep them coming back for more.
0: I'll remember that as a freelance writer working for you once in a while. <laughs> there you go. You know, uh, bec- but you do get to go on a lot of these and, and even when you're not writing about it uh, for the magazine or, or the website, gundogmag.com you're um, you're going places. If you were to advise us on uh, some of the things you've learned, uh, some of the gear that you take that maybe we haven't thought about on a, on a hunting trip, what, what would come to mind? Uh,
1: That's a good question. Um, I prefer, you know, everyone, I I have access to all the new gear and I tend to wear the exact same outfit every single time. (laughs) I don't know if that's just, um, you know, me, being scared of you know whatever but um, I would make sure gear wise stay on top of all the dog food and probiotics that are uh, these these manufacturers are really coming out with because I found that makes a huge difference when you're traveling with a dog because as you know you know you take I and I've got an anxious setter he has diarrhea almost every time we hit the field you know seems to be a pointing dog breed thing mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I have found I really like the uh, the Gunner Kennel food crate that has been a go-to to keep in the back of my truck. Um, I prefer to camp when I go because just trying to find a hotel sometimes paying the extra money for two dogs is kind of blah. So um, find a setup that you like, whether that be a tent, a rooftop tent, whether that be a trailer. You know, I do both. I'll pull a mini trailer that I have, or I'll pull, or I'll just set up a tent. Um, make sure uh, your shotgun is in working order. Make sure it's something that you're comfortable with. And I would bring it back up if you have one. Um, yeah, yeah. Just things of that sort. Just uh, find the gear that you're comfortable with and stick to it. That's what I like to say.
0: I used to advise uh, when I was teaching classes in this, I'd tell everybody when, when you can't catch a fish, go to the fly that you have the most confidence in and yeah. use it no yeah. matter what and it sounds yep. like the same idea you got to feel good about your stuff by the way i think i th- if i recall i think you might have an a-liner trailer i lo- i miss I still do. miss mine i wish i still had it
1: i do uh, i have a little mini a-liner I've, that's been one of my best purchases yeah for both me and the dogs
0: yeah so. in fact we had ours uh Custom built with the dogs in mind, and, and that worked pretty good. So, uh, uh, yeah, you, I should have done that. Well, that's a long story, but it's I pretty easy. I need a easy. bigger
1: bed to fit. I need I need to get a bigger bed to fit two dogs now instead of one. So. Yeah, well,
0: that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, okay, I'll tell you a quick one. So it was 12 below in uh, in northern Nevada. And all the heaters were going. It wasn't enough, and I had two dogs at the time. So thank goodness I had a big sleeping bag because one went to the bottom and one went to the top, and I, I did pretty well.
1: Isn't that funny how that works?
0: <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, if you were going to leave us with one thing, I mean, just think about this. You are, you know, you're, you're in the ivory tower, uh, from from one respect. You, you people look up to you. They they look to you for guidance. They look to you for leadership. If you're going to leave uh, a, a listenership of hardcore active avid bird hunters and dog owners that's us what would you tell us to to close this out
1: i tell them you know um don't be afraid to to write the magazine i get uh, i get people who write me every day asking questions about what are you wearing where are you hunting you know what are you what are you pulling with your trailer and i'm not afraid to write back i will answer every single one of them to give you my advice, uh, uh, where I hunt, where I enjoy hunting, and, and anything that you ask, I'll be happy to answer for you. And I just, just want to tell everyone that, you know, Gun Dog is here as your resource for both the dog training world and the upland hunting world. Um, the new magazine format and the new website is made specifically for you as hunters, as hardcore hunters. And, you know, just go out, do what you love, be passionate about it, and know that we have your
0: back. There you have it. Callie Parmley is the editor-in-chief of Gundog Magazine. You're seeing her work every day at gundogmag.com. And of course, if you're not already a subscriber, now's a great time to take a look at that. I think I have have one waiting in the wings. I'm not sure. But anyway, Callie, um, great to talk with you. We should do this again sometime. And in the meanwhile, thanks for all your hard work and thanks for being a part of the Upland Nation podcast.
1: And thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: That public access advice is coming up right after this from Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. You know that stuff in the yard after you feed your dog? Well, about 14 hours after you feed your dog. I mean, most of it is ash. You've probably heard the term. It's not what you think it is, but it's close enough. Um, and it's the stuff you end up scooping and, and hopefully putting in a appropriate container or a hole in the ground, for that matter. There's my ash producer right there. That's Flick. He's He's critiquing my performance right now. And hopefully he doesn't have a lot of ash in his poop because Dr. Tim's performance dog food stays to that bare maximum of 8% in most of his formulations. If your dog food has more than 8% ash, well, it's just gonna end up in your yard. Working on a video on that right now, but in the meanwhile, learn all about it at D-R-T-I-M-S. Go to the nutrition column and then read about ash, what it is and why too much ash means too much yard cleanup on a regular basis. Use the code UplandNation when you're there and you'll get 30% off your first order. It's all at drtims.com. This land is your land. My chance to share with you some of my thoughts on 32 years of finding and hunting on public land all over the... 42 states. I just added it up. I was looking at the map. Put a little flag on each one. That's a lot of flags. But anyway, I've learned a lot about getting along in what some people will call flyover country. You know, the right and the left coast will call us that once in a while. And I learned that not simply by going out and recreating, but from being a part of the community to a small degree, kind of a part-time citizen, Pushing cattle, doctoring people, dogs, sheep and horses, hauling beer kegs, yeah, at that place with the cheeseburgers, and bucking hay bales here and there. Even did a gather one fall, didn't fall off the horse. I never expected a quid pro quo. There's none of that involved. And as I traveled down the road, I've been given advice, access, and even a warm bed when there was a no vacancy sign lit up, all because I tried to fit in. You might consider the same thing. If you're driving down the road and there's a truck pulled over, carefully, slowly, so you don't make dust, pull over and ask if they need help. If you're riding shotgun, get the gate. Haul out all your bird guts, feathers, and empty shotgun shells because that's the last thing somebody needs in a combine or in a cow. The locals will find them. The coyotes won't find all those gut piles. The locals will, and you will be less welcome the next time around. Anyway, I could lecture you forever on those topics, and in fact I might just do that in a webinar coming up real soon. But in the meanwhile, consider how important it can be to your hunting success in the broadest sense by getting to know the community, the people, and how things work out there. The Upland Nation podcast is brought to you by findbirdhuntingspots.com. In fact, there's a essay in there about this kind of stuff, so check it out. Uh, lots of new material every week to help you find places to hunt, plus train and care for your dog. It's all at findbirdhuntingspots.com. And with that, I'll wish you a fond farewell. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Callie Parmley of Gundog Magazine. Sure enjoyed our talk. Thank you, everybody, who contributed to our debate, discussion on uh, how often and when to feed, that sort of thing. I would sure appreciate your leaving a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts. And remember, I'm going to pick somebody to take home that Yeti, rambler so get it in in the next few weeks we talk every day at the wing shooting usa and the upland nation facebook pages why don't you join the discussion i'll leave you with this from advice columnist ann landers she says don't accept your dog's admiration as conclusive evidence that you are wonderful Thanks for listening. Thank you, Flick, for four great years of hunting together. I'm Scott Linden. I'll see you in the field.